Welcome to Feed the Machine. This podcast is designed to allow business people to share their stories. We will not only learn what they do and how they do it, but our interviews will include topics of mindset, grit, and overcoming obstacles. Get ready. Let's turn it on. Feed the Machine. A new episode of Feed the Machine. Today's is kind of interesting because it originated from social media. Like the power of social media is real. And my guest today, we have common friends. We don't know each other. The other day I was scrolling through Facebook and I noticed somebody in my network saying they just had somebody jump in their car that their vehicle was on fire and so like it's a picture of like this burning vehicle it definitely was an attention getter because you're going like like what the heck and no matter if you're a 300 pound dude or a hundred pound lady it doesn't matter it's always a little bit it's vulnerable to have anybody jump in your car anytime right it's, anyway it just kind of triggered my attention and then as i looked into jamie jordan by the way um, I noticed that not only is she an entrepreneur, a family attorney, um, but she also has kind of a, a political interest. The more I kind of dove into this, I knew that today would be a great interview. And, and I'm also very interested to kind of hear your story. I know enough about you just to realize that there's a nonprofit you're working with. I know there's this political position that you potentially will be going after. And, and uh, I can't wait to talk about that a little bit. Thank you for making this interview. Thanks, right. And thanks for for interviewing me. I appreciate that. <laughs> and thanks for finding me on Facebook. It's it's neat because, you know, with Facebook, a lot of times we have friends that we don't know, like Facebook friends. And you see who you're in, you know, who your friends in common are. But it wasn't until really a post like this that somebody dives in and says like, okay, what's the story here, right? And it's right. almost like a a newsread where the attention getter is this burning car. And then I saw a little bit about um, the fact that you're here in Fort Bend County and that you're obviously an attorney. I can't wait to get into that. And then really just from our really quick conversation, dive into and share with the listener a little bit about your story. And we'll go through all these facets if you're ready. I'm ready. All right. So Got let's it. just talk about you today, right? Like here we are, we're at your office, you're, you're in family law. Can you just kind of talk us through like, how did you get here? What is life today for Jamie Jordan? Sure. Okay. Sure. No problem. So I am a practicing family lawyer here in Fort Bend County. Most of my practice is 97% of it is in Fort Bend County. And I've been doing this for the last 12 years. I was born and raised in a small farming community. I initially went to college and worked a couple jobs while I was going to college. That was a struggle because when we graduated from high school, my dad said, go ahead and get a job and go to school. And so that was the, <laughs> that was the path that we were, we were on. You and mean he so, didn't pull out like some safe where he showed you all the money he saved for no, your college? No, <laughs> no. And I wish there was a silver spoon, but it never came that way. And I didn't get to sign up for that. So, and, and not when I say I wish, I guess I don't wish because sure. the things the opportunities that I had the struggles that I had are the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today 
And so um, went down the path and, and worked as a nurse uh, first and foremost before I went to law school and transitioned while I was uh, working as a nurse to go back to do healthcare administration and then just um, fell into doing going to law school and so decided to go to law school and then uh, moved down to Houston 17 years ago from North Dakota. So I was born and raised in, in a small town in North Dakota and been in uh, Fort Bend County for the last 17 years and went to law school in Houston here. So I wonder what, I mean, uh, that's interesting about your pivot going from the medical field into law. Right. So when I started law school, my intention was to go to law school and do healthcare law. Ah. And while I was in law school, I did an internship in the Fort Bend DA's office in their juvenile division and spent a year and a half with them in trials and just with the judges and with the, with the prosecutors, defense attorneys, and just grew and, and developed a relationship with them. So then decided to say, hey, when I graduated law school, I'm going to hang my own shingle and go out on my own and decide to start my own practice. And so I initially started out doing criminal defense for the first year. And so that's what I did when I when I got out of law school. Wow, that's interesting. Just kind of something that it made me think of is, you know, maybe even a decade ago, I heard a guest speaker that she had written a book called Three Little Words. And basically her book and her her speaking event was all about adoption and CASAs, you know, these court appointed um, special advocates that are for children that are stuck in the system. Sometimes maybe the parents are criminals and it puts them in a foster home or there's abuse. And I think a lot of the general public, sometimes when we think of family law, we always go straight to divorce, right? We think of like just divorce and custody battles of families. But in truth, there's a whole lot that goes through these courthouses uh, that affect our, the youth that sometimes don't have a family. That's right. I mean, there is other things besides divorce cases. And so there is that component of CPS cases. Those are the cases where, you know, children are, are taken in by CPS because of the circumstances that they've been put in. Either parents are under the influence of drugs or alcohol or a combination of both, or there's been abuse in the home or um, sexual abuse or physical abuse. And so the children are put into the care of the Department of Family Protective Services. And then there are attorneys called ad litems that do represent those children represent those parents I do work um, with that as well so I am an attorney ad litem um, that does get appointed by the courts to do that type of work and then the children not only have an ad litem but they also have what what you have referred to as CASA which is those guardian ad litems that are significant to the cases because they are the ones that keep that daily contact, that weekly contact with the children, making sure that they're okay in school, in their placements, and they are so influential and important in the courts. So if anybody has an opportunity to be part of CASA or would like to volunteer with CASA, that is a great opportunity, not only for them to take that in, but also what they, what they can do for other people if they have that passion to do that. No, this is, uh, this is so great because I ultimately did become part of uh, the Fort Bend Child Advocates, or I don't know if it's the Child Advocates of Fort Bend, however they phrase it. But it was interesting because mostly it's women that are taking these roles of these CASAs, you know, these child advocates. And they need more men, by the way, because... A lot of times, uh, these teenage boys, you know, it would probably be great for them to have some kind of a male figure, they say. But long story short, yes, if you're somebody who's interested in doing something good, volunteering some time, look into becoming a child advocate. It allows you to 
to work with an attorney, uh, Adel Item, where you're, where you're actually being able to read the files and figure out if something if somebody missing something because you have all of these different interests. You have the interest of the child, you have the interest of the parents, and then you have somebody that needs to be the middle ground to figure out really what's best, especially when it comes to CPS and all of that. They, they truly are when they say the guardian, when they call them the guardian ad litems, they really are the guardian for the child or for the children. I mean, they really are. So men, women, anybody who's willing to, uh, that has compassion for other people, that has, that wants to spend their time doing something that's very important, I mean, that's a good way to spend your time. And it's it's rewarding at the end of the day because yeah. you're doing something that's very good yeah. uh, for these children. Yeah, I uh, it is. It was quite the experience. And as a parent, you know, you get to this point where you know how you would treat a child, you know, if you're a responsible parent. And sometimes these kids that are the troubled youth, you just wouldn't believe what abuse they've been through. And you don't, you know, there's really a compassionate element to dealing with this really it's an epidemic when you look into cps and all of what's going on with the kids that are in the system so let's get back to this so basically you're in the da's office you're seeing this right and your heartstrings are basically telling you don't go down the medical route let's make a difference here with these kids and with the family law side of a fort bend county right right so with criminal defense also comes the component of family uh, law cases as well just like with family law cases comes a component of potentially a criminal defense cases as well so there's a lot of different types of law that is dealt with not just when you practice one particular type of law but other things do arise you know even with my family law cases wills and probate issues come up all the time and so there's just different components to that that I practiced criminal defense for a period of time but just very briefly and then transitioned to family law and started taking on family law cases instead I'm going to focus primarily on family law cases and just do family law cases because I want to get good at what I do. And so that's kind of like when you play a sport and you're going to play that sport, you're going to go practice every day at that sport. You're not going to bring a football and a basketball to the, to the court and say, okay, let's do both of these at the same time. You're either going to say, okay, I'm going to get really good at this or I'm going to get really good at that. And so that's what my focus was is if I'm going to do something, I want to be good at what I do. And that kind of goes hand in hand with individuals, right? So we just are like, if we're go-getters, we're going to go after what we want, but we want to also not just go through the motions, but we want to be good at what we do. And so I don't want to be one of those that they're like, oh, did she show up in court? And she was like, okay, I want to be that one where the opposing side says, I want your, I want your number and your contact information because in the event I have friends or somebody that needs you and I've had referrals based from, from the other side that has referred, um, cases to me based upon performance and just, um, and passion for what I do. Yeah. It's like what you're saying is, look, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it really well. I'm not going to just come and go through the process. I want to really perform well and make the biggest difference I can and be kind of the first to mind when people think, who's a great attorney to talk to for family law? Right. And I think because of the issues that we take on are substantial and they're important and they're, um, they, they matter, right? Because these are families. These are family decisions that go on in family households. And so um, those are decisions that are very important. That's time that's very important. And, and it really affects people. It's not just on paper, but it's an emotional, mental thing. Um, for anybody who's been through divorce or who's been through a family law issue, it is, um, it's taxing. 
it's emotional it's mm -hmm. a it's a mental thing and so that's draining on somebody and the world is hard enough the way it is and then you put somebody in that situation um, that's a very very challenging situation I've been through it before I know mm -hmm. it is um, I, I know it can be so I can have compassion and, and relate to my clients as well yeah, no matter what, I mean, when you enter into the world of divorce, I mean, part of it is you you want to take care of your family. On the other part is there's all these parties, you know, you have both parties kind of trying to protect themselves sometimes. And I would imagine all of us have lives where we're always balancing everything. And when you add a battle, like a battle of just trying to figure out how to get divorced successfully, if you've got the wrong ex-partner or soon-to-be ex, it could be super miserable. I'm sure there are some that go really well, but most of the time it's everybody kind of, you know, trying to fight their way through it, which creates a long, stressful, and sometimes scary event for people that are engaged in it. Right, and and that's you are correct. I mean, that's that's that can be the situation that people are put in, um, just because of the situation that they're in. Sure. And so um, there's a lot of issues that I see practicing family law, a lot of issues that I see with families, um, a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Um, one of the reasons why back in 2020, 2020, I ran for a political position and that was a district court bench, which was a, is a family court bench here in Fort Bend County. My reason to run at that time was because I wanted to make an impact on the bench, that impact being to families that need something in addition to just sitting on the bench and making rulings, such as like offering other services outside of just a courtroom, offering therapy, offering, offering counseling. And that doesn't necessarily have to be like um, couple therapy because they're going through this process. That can be like individual therapy, somebody for them to reach out, so, out mm. to, social services that can be taken into place, such as giving people um, the opportunity to find places to live and what that looks like. Because once you take a two-income household and make that a one-income household, and then you're trying to have people survive on that, there's just a big, all of, all of it from financial to emotional to all that stuff is impacted when people go through this process and then they're trying to raise kids on top of that and they're trying to keep their wits about them Completely. and so it's it's and so i wanted to make it more of a holistic approach mm -hmm. and i know that's not typical of courts to do that uh, most courts to do that but that was kind of my take on uh, running for the position that's great you know it's so true not to harp on this the speaking event i went to where you know here it is, this woman that was in the fo in foster care and talking about CASAs and all that. Um, I remember something that she said, which was, when you think of foster kids, and I'm going to relate this to divorce in a minute, so trust me. But she was saying, when you think of foster kids, imagine just waking up one day and it's not your shower, it's not your dresser, those aren't your parents, and you're just in a different house altogether. Well, when you get divorced, even if you're really excited about getting divorced because you know you're removing yourself from a toxic environment you still have to have some self-compassion on the fact that again you could be in a different house you could that could not be your it doesn't feel like it's your shower your whole world has kind of changed and also from a holistic standpoint and mental health and emotional well-being i mean your whole life is different and you're actually having to detach from thoughts and goals and dreams that you had with this other person it's a big right. change it's a it's a big change. It's a big transition. It's kind of the sink or swim. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people swim. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will prevail at the end of the day, but it's a process to get there. Yeah. To go through it all. It's so often that you hear people say that divorce is heartbreaking, even if, even if they're not necessarily heartbroken over the person that they're divorcing. It's like, it's just heartbreaking just in general because the disruption in life and, right. and uh, the, you know, there is an emotional evolution that you have to go through to go from being married to single. Right. And surviving. Right. So, um, okay, so here was something I want to ask you just on the family law side, which is being around these cases, and I think of this even for a CPS worker, to hear about or have to look at photos of terrible things that happen to really wonderful children or just children in general, right? I don't want to make it sound like wonder they have to be wonderful. The fact is, is having to see abuse and see the aftermath of that physical abuse or sexual abuse has to be heart-wrenching. Does it impact a person? Yes. Um, can you be... Can you do something like this and um, care about individuals and be compassionate towards them and not get bothered by it at times? Of course not, right? So that that's there. Um, there are some cases that more that are more sensitive than other cases that I go home at night and I may lose some sleep over those cases. Yeah. But that's just because we don't have a switch. We can't turn it off and we can't turn it on. It's just if you have compassion for other people, you're automatically going to feel that whether you whether you want to or not you're just going to have that feeling towards it but you have to learn how to to um, deal with that trying to be effective as an attorney um, as a family law attorney and not trying to burn yourself out right so you want to be able to stay in the profession as long as possible um, without burning yourself out and taking on too much of the weight of people's cases. And so you just go home knowing that you did the best you can. You can't necessarily change people's behavior. All you can do is, is make sure that you get the best possible outcome for who you're representing on the case. And, um, yeah, we I do see some interesting things sometimes, mm -hmm. some heartful yeah. um you know, heartful things at times that, that are impactful. But even for your well-being, like, you know, like in my case, when I was kind of going through my CASA training, there was a video I had to watch, and it showed a child that had been spanked, very, you know, whipped, basically, uh, with lots of trauma. And the reason that the, the parent gave for this was that she wouldn't do her homework. You, you know, and here it is, a six-year-old child. And it took me, like, days and days to process this like to like almost to put it in a little compartment because it just felt so unjust and it's like you want to protect these kids for you you have to look out for your own well-being right like I mean some of the stuff that you see you have to somehow process well and it's it's you look is is it does it bother somebody it's going to i mean it's it, especially when it's a child it's gonna bother it's mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna bother but I, I have ultimately a job to do right? right so if i represent that child as an elitum then my job is to make sure that i'm doing what's in the best interest of that child and if there is abuse coming from a particular individual that we move forward accordingly that might be terminating that parent's rights mm. you know um some people just shouldn't do some jobs. Yeah. It's the reality of that, right? And so, um, and that's that's the, um, and I believe that that's just because people have been in situations themselves that themselves that have not been that great, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, their upbringing maybe wasn't that great. And so um, that's where you have to go. 
is this individual that may have done harm to somebody really, really a bad person and there's, there's a possibility that they may do it again? Or does this person just need help? Does mm. this person need therapy? Do they need somebody to work with them to get them to where they need to be? Do they need to stop an addiction? Do they need to get, because I believe at the end of the day that all of us deserve some kind of grace. Mm. All of us do, whether, whatever that may be, right? Mm. But we need to make sure it doesn't happen again and put those, put those things into place to make sure it does not happen again. Because you would hate to return a child to a home that there's going to be this, um, that they're going to be subjected to that again. You know, you'd hate to do that. But. Yeah, it's often we have to remember that people are brought up different. In other words, if you have a really terrible parent, I mean, it's a parent that has a, a bad temper and takes things out physically, like th there is a story behind that even. It's just do they know take techniques or ways to cope with anger? And it's it's not necessarily that you think you can save everybody, but it's just something to at least acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know. And, and sometimes people just don't know any better. Right. So, so mm -hmm. let's talk, I want to talk about divorce a little more, which is so like in your world, husbands and wives that come to you considering divorce, I'm sure some of them have already been divorced. Like anything that you would say is like, like from a sociological, I guess, standpoint where you just notice things about really people that should get divorced versus people that might just be um, pulling the trigger too soon. We always wonder, right? You always wonder like, what is where you just go like, solid decision, divorce. And then there's other people you're just going like, don't jump the gun, there's something here. You guys are just not connecting or you're not, you're missing it. And, and do you often have, this is now a three-part question, and do you have people that put their foot in the water of divorce and then they go like, hey, we're all going to work it out. And what do you notice? Like for people out there that might be in a questionable marriage or they're, they're, they're wondering how miserable it is, you know, or if they should pull the trigger on something like that. Any, any subjective advice for a listener? Well, I see all types of people, you know, from all backgrounds, from all cultures that come in and sit down with me. I've had cases that get filed for divorce that get non-suited, and that means that the person didn't want to pursue the case, and they reconciled, and they got back together with um, their their spouse, and, and it worked out, and they were able to get through some things. Um, I've had people come in that have been in situations that they don't want to pull themselves out of because they don't know how to do it, and that could be an abusive situation that they just don't know that they well they know but they just aren't strong enough and don't have the strength to be able to say I really need to do this and I really don't deserve that deserve it I've had people come come in and, and mind you I'm hearing one side of the story so mm -hmm. I don't sit down with couples I can only represent one person um, and so I sit down with one person talking to them about their facts so they're going to tell me their facts and their perspective on the relationship and so have had people come in that are young that get married they're young they get married they weren't quite ready they just are they're ready to get divorced, not really necessarily ready to work through the issues. I don't tell anybody on a personal, from a personal perspective as to what to do with their life. I do make suggestions and then I give consultations and I give free consultations because I want people to be able to reach out with, to me without feeling like they're gonna be, have to carry a heavy, heavy bill to pay for that consultation. Yeah. So I give a free consultation out, we sit down and I tell them to follow up with me. I'm not going to charge you if you follow up with me and you have a few, you know, you have questions for me after mm -hmm. we sit down and talk, but I need you to like think 
through the process? Like, what does this entail to file for divorce, especially when people have kids? What does that look like filing mm -hmm. for divorce? What is the intentions behind it? And then what's the process so that they're well aware of what's what's going on? But I'm not even sure what our divorce rate is at right now. I don't know if we are above 57% for divorce rate, uh, which is pretty high. You mm -hmm. know, if you think about it, standing in a room with two people, one of those two people are going to be divorced. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a lot that's 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 a high rate of divorce it is and it's like you know feed the machine and kind of like i think all of us that deal with difficult things part of life and having good relationships is you learn how to communicate better you learn how to share appreciation better you learn how to like try to make decisions that will lead to less regret but we all make mistakes and you know and it's so difficult sometimes to communicate with somebody especially when the stakes are high like when you feel like if my life doesn't if this person in my life doesn't allow me to do x y or z or or they're infringing on your happiness uh it can really make you go from feeling like it's an us thing to going it's me versus you thing um so anyway that's really that, that's really interesting i i uh i, I want to get into the political side because i know you mentioned kind of uh, this judge role, but really this idea of you making a difference politically, there's kind of a range of opportunity there for you. There is. And so our next election coming up is in 2022. And so, and not just from a political um, standpoint, I'm just going to kind of digress for one minute, okay. but not just from a political standpoint, but from since COVID hit, um, there has been a lot of opportunities for several people to step up and, and be involved in the community when COVID impacted um, people, not just in Fort Bend County, but people all over. Um, there had been a lot of food distributions that have been done. There's been a lot of supply distributions that have been done. There's been just a lot of aid and assistance given to, uh, to people out there that really do need it. I've had the opportunity since COVID hit hit the ground running with the constable's office, with these other nonprofit organizations to go ahead and do food distributions and go ahead and do supply distributions. And we're standing out there like literally drenching in sweat, but you see the people that pull up and those people, especially with the food distributions, when we gave out uh, you know, the food to the families, the, that could have been the only food that they had for a period of time mm. is what we were giving them. And you could tell some of the people really, really needed to have that. That, um, to have that at that time and so um, just to have that opportunity to reach out to the community just and directly reach out to the community and see the impact of when COVID hit because people had lost jobs and you know there just wasn't they just weren't getting the financial resources in as they were before COVID had hit because of circumstances and so um, that was a component that kind of followed through with the political realm because a lot of the people that I was um, campaigning with for 2020 were the people that were putting on some of these distributions mm. that we're giving to the community. So that was, that's been a blessing. Um, before I ran for judge though, I, in 2020, I was involved in the community. I had um, helped out with attack poverty in Friends of North Rosenberg, worked with Second Mile Ministries and worked with an organization out of River Point Church to help communities there. And so I'd always touch base with the community, but it's when COVID hit, I mean, it really, people really, really needed that assistance and help. And so it was kind of a blessing that I met all these people while I was campa campaigning so that I could have that contact so and be out there. It's like you're basically saying that the the from a 
from a politician standpoint of considering the judge role that there's these other things that you witnessed through the COVID. And I, for one, uh, I remember I couldn't find bottled water anywhere. And in Greatwood, just out of the blue, they were having like a water event where you could just drive up and be guaranteed like two or three gallons of water. It was huge, like a huge blessing for the community. Um, and so if I hear you correctly, it was you noticing the, uh, I, I mean, we're using the word impact a lot, but the impact and the, the uh, benefits to our community through that, that kind of has opened your eyes to maybe some other opportunities where you could make a difference. Right, right. There's always opportunities and avenues that you can take no matter what road you go down, right? Yeah. There's out, it's whether or not you take that opportunity. <laughs> like you had mentioned that um, you saw my Facebook post and social media is great because you can meet so many people on social media. Yeah. We've got good and bads to it, but you've got social media where you could, like we cross paths because you, you, yeah. you saw me on social media, you saw my post on social media. And so that was the opportunity for us to cross paths. And so it's, it's just that driving on Beltway 8, seeing a car ignited <laughs> on fire. And the first reaction I have was to stop my car. Yeah. Not to keep going and, and go, oh, that's too bad. Like yeah. that was my first, it was not this, I guess, flight response. It was this fight response. Yeah. And so I immediately stopped my car. She jumped in my car and we backed up so we weren't too close to her car. I mean, it was just this, and it comes from, I grew up in a small farming community. We kind of, my dad had two daughters that um, there wasn't nothing off limits. We were, we were out working, working, fixing fence in the uh -huh. middle of the summer heat. We were in the, we were in the um, grain bins, shoveling grain. I mean, there was just no, like, you can't do that. Right. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to have, it would be nice to, to tell people out there and I try to tell my kids this is that there's nothing off limits if you want to get it if you want it go for it yeah there's no there's like running for the like we go back to the political part of it and running for a political position I had never anticipated yeah. getting in politics never had to anticipated was raising my kids doing my job as an attorney in Fort Bend County never considered it and then thought you know what it's time to step up and make an impact even though i feel like i do so as an attorney here mm -hmm. and as a mom and all the other things that come into place with that but just to rise like rise to another level of trying to make an impact being able to touch more people no that's terrific and and so so speaking of the car and the fire and like yeah the pictures are pretty intense you now are actually helping the woman uh, raise funds and get her life back together a little bit because no, no matter what happens even when you survive the fire and it's just a matter of a burned car there's a whole lot of consequences well and and that's the thing so when this this individual i'd never met her before she um when we were standing there waiting for all this to yeah, all the police officers to do their job the firefighters to do their job and they did a great job like they did a exceptional job they were professional, they were kind, they were compassionate towards her in her situation. And I was very, very impressed. I was like, wow, these guys are, these guys are the bomb. Like these guys are it. Like they're standing in the heat on Beltway 8, probably not in the best situation. They got to deal with this car. They got to deal. But the compassion that they had towards her and how kind they were towards her, I was very, very impressed with them. And I just stood back and, and I and I just watched. Like I just watched the communication and the way they interacted and how wow. just how how compassionate they were towards her. Never met her before ever. Yeah. Um, and then she starts telling me her story. 
She said that she left her backpack in the car and that her backpack was was more likely burned. She left her wallet in the car and her mm. wallet more than likely was burned. And then asked her why she had a backpack, you know, if she was in school and she had scrubs on. And so she told me that she was a dental assistant in dental assistant school mm-hmm. and she was driving to to her school that day and um, that she has a daughter, that she mm. uses her vehicle to drive and make food deliveries at night, found out that she works, she goes to school all day, comes, homes and, uh, com- comes home and spends time with her daughter, then she works from 9 p.m. at night till 3 a.m. in the morning delivering food. And so just so that she can find money or get the money so that she can meet some of the ends that she needs to. Wow. And so I was very impressed with that. And she also fi- found out that she only had liability coverage on her car that there would be like her car was gone yeah. i mean it was burnt up yeah it's totaled it was totaled and so that was her that was her source of being able to stay on track mm-hmm. like we all say okay this keeps us on track that keeps us on track her car made sure that she was able to get to school that she yeah. was able to deliver food that she's able to ca- take care of her daughter to transport her wherever she needs to go since then we set up a gofundme page and that we're we're we need to raise more money. Mm. So we, we set that up at when it happened and uh, we're looking to raise more money um, to be able to replace her vehicle. So well, that we'll she plug can... that for sure in the episode and I'll put uh, the, the, the uh, GoFundMe information in our show notes and everything so we could share that. Perfect. Yeah, and um, I know, you know, every little dollar helps. So, and the thing is, it's interesting about insurance is that we all know, like when it comes to, money being tight, the first thing people, I mean, I've been in the insurance business 20 years. The first thing people try to cut corners on is, you know, it's on the insurance side. But in this case, you have someone who's going, hey, I'm going to make sure I have the insurance that makes sure my car is legal and it's going to take care of other people. I'm going to have liability, but I'm not going to pay that extra, which is usually hundreds of dollars per month to have comp and collision and all that. So anyone who's listening really uh, that tells you a lot that this is uh, this is truly a loss and there really is a car that needs to be replaced. Right. This this is really, truly a loss and that every penny was a big deal. And that's why liability coverage was only considered. Yeah, right. And so totally. that's the circumstances some people are in. And yeah. it's, you know, they and I've and, done it before. I've been like, holy crap, I can't. I mean, when I was young, I mean, insurance was three hundred dollars a damn month in right. some cases. It's, and that's and that's a big deal. Yeah. That, that's a big deal. And so this is the and I've reached out. We started the GoFundMe page, mm-hmm. didn't get the initial response that I was looking for. And I'm hoping to still get that. And I'm still going to push because that's what I do. I yeah. keep pushing and I <laughs> don't give up yes. and that's the way I am and so I'm gonna still keep pushing to get her the the money raised so that we could buy that I can buy her or get her or she can get through the funds a reliable vehicle yeah. and all we need is a reliable vehicle for yeah. her to be able to get to point A to point B um, and that's what we're looking for and I know that there's enough good people out there yeah. that it just you know that will have a little bit of resources that can help to donate yeah. Well, I know there's a couple people that I know, like that own car dealerships that I would imagine, I don't want to call them out, but the idea would be, we know there's some really successful car dealerships here in Houston, and there wouldn't be a reason why even one of them wouldn't want to try to help in my opinion like we got to figure this out huh we got to get we got to figure car. that out Whatever what's their number the we got this okay yeah. we got this so uh, okay so let's talk about your nonprofit for a minute because i don't think anyone knows that you have this idea i happen to know it just because we had a conversation and i kind of 
was trying to dive into what you're all about. But let's talk about your nonprofit. Let's talk about why it's who it serves. What is the the vision that you have so far? I know those. I know with planning and and um, putting together a business plan and whatnot, things evolve and kind of get adjusted. So start off from the beginning. What is it and what's it going to be about and who's it going to serve? Right. Okay. So um, the nonprofit hasn't been formally um, put into place, if that's what you call it. I don't yeah. even know what you call it. But it's in the creative phase. Yes. Okay. So, but very, very soon, um, I have um, worked with, or not worked with necessarily, but I have talked with the Fort Bend County Sheriff in regards to the domestic violence initiative that he wanted to put into place and that he was passionate about once he became the sheriff of Fort Bend County and that's Eric Fagan and so sat down with him along with another individual that's a friend of mine and talked about the initiative to try to get make sure that the domestic violence initiative that's in place in Fort Bend County and surrounding areas here is serving those that really need it and and what can we do to make it better because there's always a what can we do to make it better right and so um i have i'm passionate about when i say about i'm passionate about a lot of things but i'm passionate about making sure that individuals that are put into situations that they had to overcome whether that be in relationships that they in a relationship that where there was domestic violence whether that be in a relationship where they were, there was a lot of struggles, um, that they had to rise. And, and when I think about it, I think about if anybody knows the Phoenix, and I have a Phoenix tattoo, and so I've, it's that still I rise. Um, when you get put in a situation that is, that is really hard. I mean, it's not just, oh, gosh, you know, you know, something that just is annoying. It's more than just annoying. It's that you get put in a hard situation. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with it, and then you have to, you have to prevail, mm-hmm. um, because there's no other alternative, right? It's like you have to get out of it and prevail. And so, um, I'm putting together a group of individuals that have been through situations, whether it be through domestic violence, whether it be through hard times, that have ha- had to go through these things and rise above and be able to come out of it and be successful and tell their story and to be able to help those individuals that are in these situations get out of that situation so that they can be better and that they can prevail. It's all about coming together as a group to give people the strength to get to where they need to be. Because I'm gonna say um, years ago, I would have loved for somebody to come into my life and say, we can help you. We've got the strength. We've got the resources. We've got what you need here to help you get out of a situation that we need to help you get out of. Yeah, there's something about your career that kind of comes up again and again. It's it's um, the people that you're helping. Part of your life story allows you to relate to them very much from their point of view. It does. Um, it does, and it it goes on a per. I, understand a lot of things and a lot of things that I probably don't I I probably uh, that I don't want to know about Mm -hmm. or have been to have to say that that was part of my life but you know like when it comes to like work and it comes to relationships and really when it comes to like having real problems in life that we always judge ourselves like like is it that we're not smart enough like are we just dumb asses like at least for me like when I'm in a really dumb situation you can always play, you know, Monday morning quarterback and figure out 
like what you did wrong or what you could have done to avoid the scenario, but there's no time machine, right? And so um, we always want to like attack ourselves when things, even as a victim, right? As a victim, you want to just go like, how did I get here? Like what I'm like, you really, you're, you're very judgmental to yourself. And so to hear that, you know, it, it, at least it sounds to me like, you know, not, not only have you been through divorce, but you've even been through domestic violence. And it gives you this position to go like, you're a successful woman, like you are really bright. Like anyone who's listening to this and looks at your career is going, this person has an incredible IQ and is navigating life really well. But it doesn't mean things that you can't control happen to you. Right. And and it also means that it's it's not your fault because you can't control somebody else's behavior. So and and that's the thing. It doesn't matter how successful you are, how educated you are, what class you come from, what what um, cultural background you come from, what what education you have. It doesn't it doesn't domestic violence crosses all groups of people, all groups of people. It and it crosses both sexes too, foot males and females. It, it it can cross all groups of people, and so. Um, and, and then when you have an individual, and, and it seems and it appears to be this mindset of our of our community or of our society, society is that, well, what did she do? Hmm. Well, what did she do wrong? And hmm. and you go, wow, hmm. sure. It turns into it being about the complaining witness or about the victim, and not about the aggressor. It's like, well you know she's she seems like she's kind of loud or she seems like she's very talkative or outgoing like that's a problem and to say that it's not okay for any individual to be aggressive or abusive towards another individual that's not okay agreed that's not that's not the right way to handle things that's never the right way to handle things and it and you know it's it's unfortunate but that's exactly why i have the desire and passion to do what I need to do, and, and not just want to, but need to do to be able to help people that are in those situations to be able to get out of those situations or to find the strength to be able to rise above it and to be able to get out of it. It's a big deal. You know, a while back I had an employee that was definitely in a domestic abusive kind of relationship thing. And the boyfriend would walk into the office and you could just tell like this guy is insanely jealous. Like there's just all of this. I mean, you wouldn't trust this guy to do, to, to have any kind of restraint on his physical abuse. I mean, he's just out of his mind. Right. And it feels so powerless because as somebody who's witnessing this, I'm going like, well, I could become a criminal and save the day. Right. Like it's like, who's going to, who's going to go out of their way to like make a difference, who's going to protect her? And and ultimately, she did go to a to a place where it was kind of like a safe house for a few days or whatever. But you're always afraid of these people. Like you, I mean, not I mean, depending on what the case is. But in this case, it's like, is is he going to stalk her? Like, is he going to like walk into the office one day with a gun? I mean, like you just your imagination can go wild, and it's not it's not fantasy land. These are real concerns. And if you're in a bad relationship and you're afraid, it can make you want to do anything to appease the situation. Or even you think you're protecting your kids by like not disrupting. Like it's just a while. I mean, I can't even imagine. I don't know the answer to this, 
But I do know like there's nothing more scary in life than believing you're a target of somebody who's bigger, stronger, and crazier than you. Right, and not only believing that, but then feeling like you don't have the resources to reach out to to help you out of that situation. And having to just stay in a situation because you're afraid that you're going up not only against the aggressor, but you're going up against everybody else because now it turns into about you. Mm. And, and I understand that there's accusations out there that are not necessarily correct and there's false allegations that are made and we have to make sure people are protected because it's serious to be accused of something that you did not do. Mm. And that's the reality of it. But there also has to be resources in place that if they're if somebody is involved in domestic violence and they have to have those resources to be able to get out of it or just that support system to be able to get out of it, those things need to be available um, to that individual because it is a scary situation to be in. It's scary. If it's scary for me to be, you know, and I'm a talkative, outgoing, I, I was educated, I, had, I have a law degree, I was practicing attorney, um, and to be in that situation and feel like I had no out and I had nobody to go to, so I had to keep, I had to stay. Mm. And I had to say, because if I didn't stay, then that would lead to a whole other struggle that I would have to go through, mm. um, not only within my house, but outside of my house with people pointing the fingers. I want any victim out there that's been a victim of domestic violence to understand this is that you've done nothing wrong and um, you've done nothing wrong. So there are going to be people that are going to say, oh, did you react like this or did you do this? But to understand that you've done nothing wrong and the only way that you're going to change it is to remove yourself from the situation Um, because what I've learned is that a lot of the times people don't change Um, Mm. you can't necessarily change the aggressor's behavior that's on them and if they're not willing to do so then you're going to continue to subject yourself to the things that they think is okay yeah it's a cycle it's like beat the crap out of somebody and then there's what they call the honeymoon phase or whatever to wheel them back in reel them back in and then repeat right and you're it's uh sometimes we all just keep going back to the it doesn't even have to be physically abusive just a really ugly relationship it happens okay so Thank you for that. There's a lot there's a lot of vulnerability in you sharing that. I mean, um, but I understand it's a mission that you're on to make a difference. Before we move on towards kind of closing this out, I want to ask you with this nonprofit, if somebody came to you and you've imagined it kind of being a having these resources, they would make that phone call or come to an office and suddenly have what resources are you are, are you imagining for them? It would be, I know we have the Fort Bend County Women's Center here, and we have some of the groups here already established in Fort Bend County, so it would just be an extension to that. This would be a group of individuals that would direct people to where they need to be or provide that if we can eventually down the road, but that would be a group of individuals that's passionate, would be willing to listen to somebody saying, I need X, Y, and Z. I've got this, I'm in this situation I need to get out of this situation, whether that be to direct them to, and we have an attorney that files protective orders on the behalf of of victims that can't afford to pay a deposit Mm. down for a legal case so that they can get protected. We have the Fort Bend County District Attorney's Office that will file protective orders on the behalf of an individual that's been in a situation like that. And so, and that doesn't cost anybody a, a thing. You go out and fill out an application, they submit the application and then move forward with a hearing if necessary. And so there are these avenues to try to get out. So it's just 
from a wide range of services that have to be offered to people in that situation, whether it be financial, whether it be legal, whether it be education, because first of all, they may not have an education that they need to advance so that they can start paying their own bills. Like where do we direct sure. for that? Or where their children go to school, you know, or transportation because people have an issue with transportation. So it's gonna address a wide array of things with already the, the current services that are in place in our county that people may not know about. So more of a voice. I've got a lot of vocal women that I've been around, that I've uh, that I'm friends with, and glad to call them my friends. And I'm not very quiet, so I know they're not very <laughs> quiet. So they might be able to hear about it that way. But yeah. I'm hoping that we can make an impact, and that could be um, something. I, I believe that there's things that happen in our lifetime that give us the perspective to be able to help other people because of what we've been through. And so I'm not going to take it as a negative. I'm going to take it as a positive, and I'm going to make an impact trying to help people. That's great. Okay, so part of the interview is me asking you, when for people that are in a difficult situation, male, female, it could be business-related, you're an entrepreneur, you got through COVID, you know, a lot of businesses struggled through that as well. Um, whether it's a business perspective or a personal perspective, what are some of the tools or techniques or philosophies that you have when it comes to dealing with a difficult situation or failure or just some, what's kind of a go-to thing for you in processing what next move you're going to make? From a business standpoint? Yeah, we could start with a business standpoint. So I think that I've, so I've had my own practice since I've started practicing law, which has been for the last 12 years. And so it's just consistency. It's drive, um, it's persistence. Um, that's what I think as a business person, that's what makes or breaks you, right? You're gonna have ups, you're gonna have downs. That's part of the business. That's part of any business, right? Um, it's that mindset. It's that mindset to say, you gotta have the drive to keep moving forward, to keep getting to where you wanna be. What's the goal? Like for my business, the goal for me is to, take on as many clients as I can handle that I can represent appropriately and make sure I'm giving them enough attention and to do it effectively. But the goal for me is to keep making an impact in people's lives. And, and I'd like to say most of the people that I do represent, we, you know, we have a great relationship even after I'm done representing them because we develop not only on a professional standpoint, but as a friend, friend standpoint as yeah. well. And so as a business person, I think you just have to be have that drive even when it's hard mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna say what my dad used to tell me all the time and when i was growing up he used to say uh when i would say when i would complain or say something that like oh i don't know he'd say well i just need you to go get your big girl panties on and i need you to deal with it <laughs> and i'm like oh that's nice yeah. okay good so that doesn't mean sulk and complain and whine about it because that's not going to help anything sure. But I think you just have to be persistent and you have to have the drive and you have to understand what, what is my desire and what's my goal. Yeah. If that's what I want, then that's what I want. It's not going through the motions. You do this because you love to talk to people. You want, you want people's stories to help other people yes. be able to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And that's what we all need. Sometimes we all need a cheerleader on the yeah. side. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, the thing is, is like uh, there's this old argument of, motivation versus commitment well motivation is not going to make you want to get out of bed at four in the morning when it's freezing cold outside but commitment will right and yeah. having a commitment to yourself or um, in business knowing uh, again feed the machine I, I you know i don't know if some people are listening to this the first time but you know in fitness 
you don't eat the chicken breast and the broccoli because it tastes good. You eat it because you have a goal in mind. So you feed the machine. It's not really about the taste. It's not really about, is, like, is it a dry chicken breast or not? You're doing what you got to do. And I think that's part of what life is, is sticking to sometimes the principles of what you know is going to get you where you're going versus what you feel like that day. Right, right. That, and that's true. And so on top of that, I'm training for the Boston Marathon what? in October. <laughs> really? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So I ran Boston in 2017. I've run marathons before. And then they did the deferment because of COVID. So they allowed you to submit your time for this coming up October. And I got accepted to run in October of 2021 in Boston. And so when you say consistency, today I went out for a run and it was like 80 some degrees outside. And I was like, this is not happening. Like, this is just not it. I mean, you just have to like, okay, I've yeah. got it. Like 26.2 miles is going to come up. Yeah. There's no, like, it's going to come up just like with all the other stuff that comes up in a business. It's going to come up. You can either sit there and, and fight it, or you can, if you're not prepared, yeah. What's that saying? If you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Oh. I am not failing. I am not. <laughs> I am not going to be the girl that's taken off the twenty-six point two yeah. mile uh, course in a stretcher or something. That is not going to be me. So. Yeah. Well, that's pretty incredible. That's really neat. Well, good luck with that. And then, lastly, you know, doing my research. So I see you obviously ride motorcycles. That's not. I. You know that. That means you're part of the brotherhood. You've got you got your Harley. Any comments on that? That's kind of a neat thing and unique. Any comments on that? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. That's great. To get on a bike and ride yeah. is amazing. And so and, and not just just not just to ride, but to be amongst the community of the people that do ride. Yeah. They're so nice. I've stopped at so many different locations. There's a group here in Sugarland also that does community events, volunteer groups uh -huh. or volunteer events that they do as part of their rides and things like that. So you get to meet a lot of people. I get a lot of stares when I'm out there because yeah. I think they're just like, what? Yeah. Is that? It's a woman on a bike. Is that a woman on a bike? <laughs> is she driving a Sportster? Yeah. So I have a Harley Sportster and I want to upgrade it to a heavier, bigger bike and, and I'm going to get there. Yeah, you will get there. I, you know, it happens fast. You know, uh, I always swore I would never ride a bike with a windshield. And now I have this Harley Ultra that I always go, am I still a biker? Like, like suddenly... I like the fact that the wind is not slamming in my face, but I'm getting older. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm moving up and evolving as a writer or if I'm just becoming more of a loser as a writer, but I love like turning on the radio and having all this wind, you know, coverage. And so anyway, it is a fascinating pastime and, and, uh, I would tell anybody, you know, a lot of times, especially with COVID and a lot of different things, people say like things are dangerous, right? And, and uh, well, driving down the highway, even in a car with just like a little yellow line separating you from the other car coming your way at 80 miles an hour, you could scare yourself to death to never do it and just go like driving is dangerous, but you got to have faith, right? We do it every day. You guys, anyone listening to this is driving a car every day and they seem to know they're going to make it home. That's kind of the philosophy I have with riding a bike. You be proactive, you be safe. I wear a helmet. I, I mean, I understand right. the, the concept of making a better decision than not. But anyway, it's a lot of fun and definitely a great way to network. So Right, right. And, and everybody to each his own, right? Yeah. So if, if that's not where you, people always have fun things that they say, that makes me feel better. Like when I tell my clients, I always say, take on a hobby. Take, do something that makes you feel good. Yeah. I don't tell them to jump on a Harley. Yeah. 
Um, I don't tell them, like I say, do something that makes you feel good. That like for me, when I jump on my bike and I start riding, that is an amazing (laughs) feeling. That is like, and and here's my mentality is that I've got one life and I'm going to live it. I'm going to live the crap out of it. Whether or not that that satisfies everybody at times, it's probably not going to. And I'm (laughs) going to do things that people are going to get annoyed by. But I'm just going to live the crap out of my life and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to worry about, did I offend or did I step on somebody? No, just go forge out and forge ahead. Forge ahead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's great. So we'll close it out. Really interesting stuff. Jamie Jordan, I guess let's talk about if somebody wants to go, like if they're interested in maybe consulting with you for family law, what's the website? And then I'll put in the show notes all your contact information. Okay, perfect. Yes. Um, so I'm located over in Sugarland in Fort Bend County. And my website is uh, fortbenddivorce.com. We practice family law. And it's a really nice office. Very well located right off the freeway. Check her out. Jamie Jordan, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys. See ya. See ya.